This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Jackson, joined by my other co-host, uh, one of the funniest co-hosts in the business. You always sound the best co-host in the business, but uh, I'm joined by Mike Kernisha. Mike, how you doing today, man? You know what? That was nice. We might have to stick to you intro in the show because I somehow managed to screw it up every week. But um, I'm doing good, man. You know, had a nice, refreshing week off, started the new gig this week uh you know blue chip scouting scouting department is up and running uh i'm feeling refreshed we're recording this on sunday it's coming out on monday hope everyone's enjoying their long weekend both in canada and in the states it's it's good times all around yeah i mean it's i'm i'll be honest i'm not doing hardly anything football so i'm i'm enjoying my time off not not gonna lie to you that's exactly why i'm hosting today because i don't have anything to talk about because (laughs) i haven't watched anybody in 2023 and uh i i really don't have much to contribute to the conversation besides the preliminary watches i made uh while still doing 2022 cycle so that's why today we're going to discuss uh, some of the players that Mike has been watching and, and kind of what his role will be at Blue Chip Scouting because we're kind of, uh, you know, we, we rebranded ourselves, uh, so to speak, and, and uh, kind of go in a different direction. So first off, Mike, why don't you tell them, uh, you know, what, what's going on with the scouting department, how it's broken down and, and how we're going to move forward, uh, you know, just in general. Yeah, so the scouting department uh, this year is going through a bit of a change. Um, for one, uh, well, the site itself has gone through a couple of changes. Uh, if you look on bluechipscouting.com, it's been refreshed. It looks wonderful. We have a ticker now, an updated consensus board as we go, which is wonderful. Some big shouts to Dante Colinelli uh, for, uh, for putting all that together. As for Dante himself... Uh, He's taking a back seat uh, with writing and running the scouting department this year. He's actually just going to be our lead editor going forward. Uh, So we're going to make sure that we have consistent content. I believe as you're listening to this, my article on uh, returning players that could have gone in last year's draft class that could go for a stock rise this year should be live. Um, But Dante and I are also going to be in charge of the writing department at blue chip scouting so we have a nice team assembled it's myself austin mole uh our newest hire rob paul so there is a canadian invasion uh zach rogers out in the uk saray pool and jared feinberg are making up the writing department if i'm missing anyone i apologize devin you're in charge of the video department and our old friend andrew harbaugh who we are absolutely gonna have to get on the podcast this summer uh, is running the scouting department. As for the scouting department itself, uh, Harbs is doing quarterbacks, tight ends, and I want to say he's also doing uh, running safeties. backs. Safeties. No, he's doing safeties. My apologies. Uh, EJ Holt 
uh, is doing running backs, wide receivers, and corners. And Nick Price is doing defensive uh, tackles, defensive linemen, and uh, sorry, defensive tackles, edge rushers, and linebackers. And I am doing the offensive line report. So just the offensive tackles, just the interior offensive line made a lot more sense for us to each just have a couple of positions that we could focus on rather than doing, you know, um, uh, conference by conference and, and needing two, three, four more scouts. Uh, so kind of streamlining the operation itself. Uh, but all of that being said, I have done scouting reports on, I believe, seven offensive tackles so far and three guards. So um, Devin, uh, as one thing that we've also done, and I should get this out, is we're kind of doing away with the idea of you know, round one, round two, round three, et cetera, grades, and actually doing it into day grades. So obviously day one is a, is a round one player day two, we have it tiered within that. So it's a four levels. Uh, you can kind of segment it into second and third round from there. And then we have four levels for day three again. So you can kind of tier it up once again so that's especially with preliminary you don't really want to label a guy specifically around grade so that was one thing we wanted to work on as well so Devin, uh i believe you have the uh scouting hub in uh blue chip open so go ahead you can ask me any questions about any prospect you see on the interior and offense uh, the interior and on the offensive tackle position <clears throat> that has a report filed all right, so uh, like you said, that was a very long-winded intro, but we we haven't we haven't spoken since Blue Chip was, uh, I believe, still down. Yeah, we we it's been a couple weeks. So uh, why don't we start with uh, one of the more recent ones you've done, uh, Carter Warren from Pittsburgh? I saw you posted that. Uh, was that what, Sunday morning? Uh, that yeah, that would have been it? posted Sunday morning. I finished it on Friday night. Some of these I haven't even tweeted out, but this one will be tweeted out by the time that it is that this podcast is live. Um, I liked Carter Warren last year heading into the end of the draft. You know, obviously I didn't do like a full deep dive on his tape because there was a chance he was going to go back. But from my preliminary viewing while watching players such as Kenny Pickett, uh, I came away impressed. I think I gave him like a, a haphazard, you know, day to probably third round grade. And when I went back, uh, you know, he did phenomenal against Tennessee. Uh, he was throwing dudes hither and yon, um, you know, was able to, uh, there, there's a play where I want to say it was either a, a safety that was blitzing or a linebacker where with his initial punch, he sets him back off of his, uh, you, know, you know, gets the defender off balance, ends up falling, and then he dives onto him in order to make sure he can't get up. Great play. Um, but again, fluid in pass sets, uh, covers a lot of ground. He's 6'5", 315, so he's got prototypical size. Uh, really drives, you know, um, his kick slide well with the power he can generate in his lower half. Uh, and he maintains a hard shoulder to counter the inside. However, speed rushers give him, give him trouble, uh, whether that's getting around the edge or if the speed rusher cuts back inside, he can't quite pivot and drive back. So he needs to work on that, so to say, counter drive on his, off, uh, on his pass sets. Uh, balance is fine, naturally wide, able to keep his body square more often than not. 
uh, good hand placement, powerful hand place, you know, powerful initial punch, good grip. He can really, if he gets his clamps on you, he's steering you wherever he wants you to go. Uh, can understand, um, you know, defensive alignments and pre-snap reads. Unfortunately, his angles during the snap, or sorry, during the play can be a little erratic. Uh, he will be on a pull block where he's the lead blocker up the gut coming from left tackle, and he'll just whiff on a block because he didn't get the angle right, um, which that needs to work. That needs to improve, especially going into his senior season now. Plays with a lot of power, uh, flexible enough, uh, nimble both vertically and laterally. Uh, and the weird thing about Pitt is the way their offensive line plays is he'll start a drive at right tackle because of where they are on the field. And then the next play, he switches back to left tackle. So he's definitely got versatility, even on the same drive, switching back and forth positions. I've never seen something like that before. But again, overall, I think he's a better athlete at this point than he is a football player. He's got a lot of power in his game. Um, I don't know if he's the type of guy that you can draft on day two and start right away. Um, I'm wondering, I'm trying to think of like what his comparison from like this past year would be. And there's not really a, a clean one. Like he's obviously a much more experienced and much more complete football player than like a Bernard Ryman. But like, Again, you kind of want him going somewhere where he's going to be like the sixth offensive lineman. He can kind of develop for a year, work out some of those bad habits. I do think that he's he's somewhere in that kind of mid-day two range, end of round two, early round three. Uh, just some technical flaws, and he's really got to work with better diagnosing of, of uh, defensive angles. I'll say that's a pretty thorough report for a summer report, I'll tell you that. I do what I can, man. Like I said, I watched Clemson Wake Forest in Tennessee. He was great against Tennessee, but I mean, it was Luigi Villain, which by the way, great name for the Wake Forest defensive end that he gave him some, some issues. And then Miles Murphy and Xavier Thomas from Clemson both gave him some struggles. So it's just, you know, when he's, when he's locked in, he's locked in and he's, and he's raring to go when he struggles, he can really take a while to get going or he lacks that sort of short memory that you would want from a quarterback. Cause if he gets beat pretty badly, one rep, it can actually linger for three or four more, you know, three or four more plays. Gotcha. For sure. How's that, um, for, how's that for a first summer report out the gate, sir? Pretty strong, pretty strong. Uh, <laughs> now we're going to uh, transition to another offensive lineman. Uh, one that's gotten first round buzz seems like almost every summer. We had it last summer, uh, heading into 2021. Uh, was it, did, did I say it correct? Yeah. Uh, and, and then 2022, he's getting early, late first round and an early second round buzz, I believe. Amok had him at number 34. Overall, that's Zion Johnson from Miami. What Zion did you Nelson. See? Zion, Zion Nelson, my, my bad. I don't know why I said Zion Johnson. Uh, Zion Nelson from Miami, he's been getting uh, – buzz for now two straight summers uh, what did you think about when you dove into this film still way more of an athlete than he is of a fully developed offensive lineman uh the big thing is i actually have a lot of faith in nelson developing going forward obviously with mario cristobal now being the head coach and bringing one of the nation's best offensive line coaches whose name escapes me but i'm going to look that up right now 
Miami offensive line coach. I can't remember his name. Alex Mirabal. Alex Mirabal was the guy that helped with the development of players such as Panay Sewell. So again, very different players, Panay Sewell and Zion Nelson. I want to get that out of the way, but can hopefully take the raw athleticism and the physical tools that Zion Nelson has and develop that into an offensive, offensive tackle. As for the actual film itself, uh, improved a lot this past year uh, than, say, when we were watching his film from 2020, this time last year. Uh, but against Alabama, struggled when facing Will Anderson. Will Anderson beat him like a drum. Uh, speed, bull rush, didn't really matter. Um, beaten by multiple occasions on Florida State. I really did not do him any favors by making sure Alabama and Florida State were among the games I watched, but I wanted to see how he was going to do against early round one talent. And uh, Jermaine Johnson just went in round one. But I also watched him against Virginia and Michigan State to kind of even it out. Against Virginia, most consistent in terms of angles on wide rushes. He was able to actually run the edge rusher past the quarterback more often, which was good. Improved his anchor when facing a bull rush, which is great. It's just all inconsistency in pass protection because he just... Everything about his game, you see what people like. You see the fact that the dude's a, a freak athlete. We'll run sub five. We'll, pr- you know, can move laterally really well. Unfortunately, doesn't really possess much natural strength. Uh, has some balance issues, you know, overextending. Or he ends up, uh, you know, standing straight up against a bull rush, which just ends him ends up with him basically having his hands up and, and at the will of the, of, of the defender, which is not great. Um, first punch consistency is erratic. He can sometimes get someone square in the chest or other times he's basically just kind of shoving them in the elbow. Like there's no, the placements off the powers off and it's, it's just erratic. It's all consistency. Uh, he's able to identify blitzes well, but there's also instances where if he's not engaged right off the snap, he's standing around waiting for something to happen rather than going and finishing or helping his left guard or, you know, waiting for a delayed safety blitz or whatever. He's just kind of standing around, not doing anything. His feet aren't moving. Uh, he doesn't have much natural power, not a finisher in the run game, just holds his ground. Um, doesn't have great anchor either. Really for someone that's as good of an athlete as he is, he really, should be able to get low, sink his hips, and be able to stonewall a rush. But if you're able to rush Nelson, he's standing up in order to try to combat it, which is an interesting dynamic, not something that I'm used to seeing. But again, great athlete. It's where it's what can you harness it? I ended up giving him a kind of a late day two grade. He's in that mid-third round area if you were to stack it vertically. What do you think about people projecting him maybe uh, late in the first round or early in the second? Um, we, we were at this. Uh, this is kind of your Bernard Raymond in a way uh, from, from this past year in that the dude's a, uh, you know, a really good athlete and, you know, he's got all of the untapped potential. Now, obviously Nelson's 22 and Ryman's 24, uh, but we're talking about a guy that this is going to be his third year as a starter I really want him to see it yeah, develop his all-around game. There is a chance that he needs to land in, like, the right scenario. Like, if he lands in a place where, let's say he goes to the Colts, and the Colts can develop him and turn him loose like they haven't, you know, in past years, he's going to be fine. 
if he ends up in a situation where there's not a great offensive line, you know, uh, coach, or he has to start right away, we could be looking at an Austin Jackson. Well, hopefully not the latter, because uh, that's no, because uh, the Austin Jackson still affects my brand to this day. Well, let's hope the Colts don't continue to take developmental offensive linemen. <laughs> I'll tell you that because they they've they've done that quite enough. All right, switching gears. Uh, now you told me about two guys that it seems like you you view pretty I won't say highly, but you know in a, in in a high regard. Uh, you know of, of the offensive line we watched so far, who has the the furthest? Uh, I'll ask the two parter. The furthest to go, and uh, the one that surprised you most. In terms of the furthest to go. Um... I would almost say Zion Nelson would, would be one. Um, one that I really liked uh, in terms of what I saw in film, but can really rise with a good season is Alabama's Tyler Steen. Now, if that name sounds unfamiliar, it's because he was actually playing at Vanderbilt last year. He's a graduate transfer. Uh, so he was, he was Vandy's left tackle, and he actually had a surprisingly good game against Georgia, which you wouldn't have thought because – it's Vanderbilt's offensive line against Georgia. Now, it was his worst game of the three that I watched, but he struggled with speed. You would think that it would be Trayvon Walker that gave him a lot of fits because Trayvon Walker just went number one overall. It was actually Nolan Smith that gave him the most trouble. So he's struggling a little bit with speed. You know, I think with him projected to be Alabama starting off at uh, left tackle, he's going to be put in a position he transferred just after the spring game. So I was really hopeful I was going to be able to watch the spring game, but he wasn't there yet. Uh, that going up against a Will Anderson in practice every day is going to really help him in his development and what he's going to see week in, week out, because Alabama starts the season with Texas, if I remember correctly. Um, but no, he played well against Trevon Walker. Nolan Smith just really was able to beat him around the edge. I'm working. I'm waiting for him to kind of, work with his natural ability he's in a bit of a he's in a bit of a gray area where he's not really an overwhelmingly strong offensive tackle but he's not a great athlete he's he's an average athlete but he's also six five and three fifteen so does that mean that he needs to maybe lose five ten pounds and try to fill that with functional strength and you know and work you know so he's a little bit less uh you know stiff or does he bulk up to 325, 330 and become more of a power-based tackle? So this is going to be an interesting year. I think that Tyler Steen, as is, is kind of that late day two, early day three type player with a good season, which Alabama will likely have this year for the reason that they're Alabama. He could actually go into the round two, maybe even round one territory. Uh, as for the one that surprised me the most, uh, I'm going to give you a two-parter. I'm going to, I'm going to actually give multiple names because that it, why not? It's me. You know, you know how I roll. Uh, one, I have to give a shout out to uh, our guy at blue chip scouting, Nick price, Matthew Bergeron from Syracuse. Um, Nick texted me. Hey, I don't know about the Syracuse kid, but you might want to check him out. Uh, I'm watching Clemson and he's stonewalling miles Murphy and miles Murphy is projected to go like, top 15 in these early mocks and so i checked it out and bergeron's best game was against clemson oddly enough his worst game was against louisville against yaya diaby 
but good kick slide, plenty of ground, understands angles well. Um, he can really counter when the uh, rusher is anticipating the snap count. He's quick out of his stance. Um, you know, I'd rather him be more square than try to chase when uh, uh, when the rusher gets a bit of an advantage on him. Hand placement was great against Clemson. Pre-snap reads he's good with. Not the most overwhelming or powerful blocker, but he's got good clamps and good grips. He can seal off defenders on the weak side as a run blocker. Uh, you know, great anchor for someone that's 6'5 and 330. Uh, been a starter since, since midway through his freshman season. Uh, former number two uh, recruit out of Canada and the number one recruit out of uh, Quebec. There is no hype on this dude. So I'm really hoping that uh, more people get a chance to watch Syracuse because while they're going to be watching Sean Tucker, the running back, they're going to get a surprise in left tackle uh, Matthew Bergeron. The other one is Darnell Wright, where if you look at him physically, he's a lot like um, uh, Darian Kennard, who just went in like round five last year. But I think he's a better athlete and moves better than canard canard didn't really move all that well and had length concerns big thing with with right is um you know six five three thirty five i mean just he he's the highest rated offensive tackle i've watched so far devin he just missed out on on a round one grade uh highly experienced 29 starts uh shut kingsley and igbari down completely uh and igbari would try a counter move Try to go, you know, you know, with a rip move, he had a counter for that. Try to go for a swim move, he had a counter for that. Uh, you know, Enigbari was just completely a non-factor against South Carolina. Struggled a little bit against Pitt. I will say that uh, Pitt has a, a plethora of players they can throw at you because on one down, you're, you're blocking, um, you know, Dalen Alexander. Next one, you're blocking Baldonado. Then you're having to try to get Servasier Dennis off the edge. They can just throw so many different players at you uh, that it can it can be a bit overwhelming. And yeah, he didn't play necessarily the greatest. But I think that Darnell Wright, and this this is someone that CBS Sports' Chris Trapasso has been on, um, I actually think that he's got a chance with another good season to be a round one player. All right, got two potential round one players there from – Guys, people aren't even talking about just yet. So, you know, Mike, every year you always have offensive linemen that rises up the board. So. Hey, man, Werfs, Darissa, Charles Cross. <laughs> what can I say? There. ACC and SEC. So Bergeron looks like he's right on track. So is uh, Darnell Wright. So. Yeah. But uh, now – you know, obviously, you, you have some more guys to watch and, and you know, I'll ask this before we uh, wrap up the show, but uh, who are you looking forward to watching most in the next batch? Because I see guys like Aaron Frost, uh, Peter Skanowski from Northwestern, uh, Warren McClendon from Georgia, Nick Broker from Ole Miss, uh, Jackson Kirkland, who was famously Harb's OT1 last year. Uh, who hey, do you, he was who you mine, too, at one point. Uh, Both of your guys, but, Jack OT one. Who do you look? Who you looking forward to most? So most looking at. In terms of offensive tackles, and then we'll transition to guard after that, or the interior offensive lineman. So, uh, on the site, you know, there's Aaron Frost, there's Blake Freeland. Those are those are probably two guys I'm going to try to knock out in the next week or so. 
Kirkland's another one. Right now, I'm really looking at the two Ohio State guys, uh, Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones. I uh, got two games into Dewan Jones so far, and I mean, he's a very large human being, Dem. He's six seven. He's about three sixty. I feel like we may have another Isaiah Wilson on our hands, though, where he's just such an overwhelming, massive human being that we get very excited because, oh my God, like, could this be another Orlando Brown where they're so big and so strong? Jones does not have great refinement in in his game. He's uh, the game against Michigan was really rough, and then he got injured. Uh, but, you know, Ojabo gave him fits with speed and there were instances where Aiden Hutchinson got him back on his heels and he's got almost a hundred pounds on Aiden Hutchinson and Hutchinson's just put him on his back. Um, as for Paris Johnson, he's an interesting case because he was the number two offensive tackle prospect uh, in his, uh, sorry, recruit in his uh, respective class. And then he gets to Ohio state and Pettit Frere's there and uh, Thayer Munford and the aforementioned Dewan Jones. Paris Johnson's playing right guard last year at 6'6", 315. He's making the transition now to play left tackle, but he hasn't played left tackle in two and a half, you know, in two and a half years. So is that going to come all that naturally? He's never had to play it in this system. He's got good anchor from what I watched. Again, I was focusing more on Dewan Jones, but they're lined up side by side. So you can actually compare and contrast good uh, has good, anchor you absolutely see why everyone loves the kid uh you know good drive powerful uh moves well there's a reason he's in contention to be the number one offensive tackle in this class and i will say this about the tackle class as a whole it's very it's it's a bit in flux because we saw three top 10 players in last year's class at the offensive tackle position and then there was a drop off between whether you had like Ryman or Penning or Max Mitchell or Tyler Smith, whoever you had next, there was quite a bit of usually about a round drop off with these guys. And then there was just kind of a whole bunch of, you know, developmental guys. A lot of these players that I've watched so far, there's yes, there's certain aspects of, you know, development. When you look at the offensive tackle class, there's no elite top end guy but there might be 12 players in contention for offensive tackle one, which is kind of nuts when you think about it, because if you look at Skaronsky, if you look at, at Johnson, sure, there's a little bit more hype on them, but there's still a lot to be proven. Skaronsky might have length concerns. Johnson hasn't played left tackle yet uh, in college, but then like Darnell Wright's a bit of an unknown commodity. Bergeron, Carter Warren's a returning prospect robert scott jr who we didn't get into from florida state jalen duncan these are guys where like they're just waiting for it to click and if if it clicks this year with the natural athletic gifts that they have they could all be offensive tackle one i mentioned tyler steen zion nelson these are guys where we're just waiting to see how they take that next step so the offensive tackle class is fascinating in that in that capacity but no uh up next i'm looking at at you know johnson skaronsky mcclendon Dewan Jones, Nick Brooker is actually moving inside to guard uh, for Ole Miss this year. So I'm, that's going to be an interesting uh, development as I watch his tackle tape and see how it, it translates to guard. Should we, do you want to move into to the interior guys? 
Yeah, I see one of my guys, City So from Eastern oh, Michigan. Oh man, I didn't like City So at all. I'm sorry. Um, I don't. I don't think he moves all that well. I he's a very strong player, uh, but you can tell he's kind of he's built sloppily. Um, there were some instances where in pass pro he engages, but then he doesn't move his feet, or even in the run game where he engages, he doesn't move his feet. And he's 345 pounds, man. If I want a strong dude that when he gets his hands on a, on a defender, he's able to drive. And sometimes it's just very inconsistent. His movement skills weren't great. Um, it just there was a lot of concerning, uh, just bad technique and flaws on his on his uh, on his film. Underdeveloped mauler in a small school system. Strength to win any one-on-one matchup, but his athleticism is average at best. Has technique in both run blocking and in pass blocking. Probably a depth player at the next level. Kind of like a Nate Herbig is what I came away with. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like they just throw him out there and like, look, you're the biggest dude. Just go block. You yeah, know, man, you're 345. Just... Go ahead and block. But Yeah, I don't think there's a uh, lot of technique being – Todd. So I think for him, you know, at least from what I saw, I think he can probably be a practice squad player, maybe stick around the NFL, CFL. I think he's going to play professionally. I just don't know which league it's going to be, but the CFL likes him. Dude, you have no idea how much I wanted to like the city so because he is Canadian. For sure. But no, I get it. I mean, they, it just seemed like they didn't really hone in on the fundamentals with him. You know, he's just, so strong and you know there's flashes like I watched the Wisconsin game and you know he he did some good things in that game but you know overall I always thought of him as a UDFA type of dude that Uh, he got a a late draftable grade he got like bottom of the roster draftable grade there you have it so it's not completely Bad. All right. Uh, who of these other Finnish guys do you, you want to talk about? And then uh, we'll quickly talk about uh, who's coming up next and, and get out of here. All right. Well, I want to quickly talk about Jordan McFadden because he's actually a left tackle that I, I graded as a guard for one simple reason. He's listed by uh, Clemson at three, two, uh, sorry, at 310 pounds and only six foot two, which if enough, if a college program is listing someone at six foot two, they're probably about six foot one. He might even be a little bit shorter. He does not look like he's six foot two at all. Uh, you and I are both six two. He's probably shorter than both of us. Um, you know, agile enough to be an above average pass blocker. Natural advantage when it comes to to leverage, but he can be very wasteful and stand straight up, dude. You're six foot two. You, you you're most of the time going to be the same height or shorter than your matchup. Just get low and drive, man. Quick hands, not very powerful. Uh, can really be a step, you know, half step slow. Reacts to what's going on around him more often than not. Uh, not much of a powerful uh, player. Lower body flexibility is okay. Um, I honestly wonder, is he going to be, well, he's not going to be a tackle with that size, but could he be someone where he's a guard or a center at the next level where he, they move him inside because of just, again, overall size and length concerns. Good, you know, decent athlete doesn't really stand out in any way. Just a pure technician with clean footwork. Um, just overall, he's a fine player. He's a, 
I have him as a day three grade. You draft him, you, you see how he does inside. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And then there you have it. Um, yeah, go, go, ahead. go ahead. And then just who's up on the pipeline because we are running a little long. Uh, I have Doug Nestor from West Virginia, the former um, Virginia Tech uh, guard who's six foot seven. Jarrett Patterson, who I feel has been at Notre Dame for like 16 years at this point. John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota in that, you know, offensive line of just absolute mammoths because everyone there is six foot seven. Uh, Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, who we all liked last year. Navon Donaldson from Miami. There's a few others. Um, taking a look at my overall watch list. Adonis Boone from Louisville, who, by the way, interview with him on Blue Chip Scouting's YouTube channel from last year. I would strongly recommend checking that out. And then Osiris Torrance from Florida, the uh, Louisiana Lafayette transfer. Um, yeah, he's an absolute road grader. He's familiar with the system and, well, he's done it against high-level competition. He had some of his best games when the lights were brightest. So I'm wondering where some of these guys are going to are hit at that next level. Is Osiris Torrance going to be someone where with a good season, he can maybe get himself into back into round one, early round two? I don't know how many names I just rifled off between both offensive tackle and offensive guard, but we will keep going with this as time goes on. Yeah, you're, you're probably uh, north of 15 uh, at this point. So, <laughs> but, but that's going to do it for uh, this episode of the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. You can follow Mike on Twitter at MikeH underscore Draft. Uh, you can follow uh, the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. You can follow all of Mike's work in uh, all the scouting reports that have been produced by Blue Chip Scouting at bluechipscouting.com under the NFL Draft Hub. Uh, and make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We got some videos that will be coming over the next month or so, uh, you know, breaking down some 2023 prospects once I'm back fully in it. And, and maybe we'll have some of our scouts on there to talk about uh, some of the guys that they've watched thus far. Um, and make sure to follow Blue Chip Scouting on Twitter at Blue Chip Scouting blue chip scout but for now uh signing off here on, on the on this big shots nfl draft podcast episode we will see you guys later this week